The content here is for informational purposes only and should not be taken as medical advice. Please consult a healthcare professional with any medical questions and concerns. If you are experiencing an emergency or need immediate help, call 911. In no way does listening, reading, emailing, or interacting on social media with our content establish a therapeutic relationship. I just get so angry. It's hard to sit still. I don't want to be this way. My brain just feels all scrambled. Welcome to Scrambled. This is your co-host, Nikki Shields. And I'm Chad Douglas. Welcome to episode 40. It's always fun when you hit little milestone episodes. And so, I don't know, 40 is an even number with a zero. So I'm going to say it's a milestone. (laughs) When we get to 50, that'll be a huge one too. Yeah, we should do something fun for our 50th episode. Huh. Okay. We'll think on that. Yeah. Yeah. Something fun in mental health. We'll think on that. (laughs) Yeah, maybe a Q and a or we could, I don't know. Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, all right. Well, this is episode 40 and we've titled it Masking and we're going to talk about what masking is. And if you listen to the last episode at the tail end, I kind of said, I just learned about this a couple weeks ago. Um, my wife sent me an article and I read it and I was like, huh, this is exactly what lives in my house, but I'd never heard the term masking. So is that a new term that's being kind of thrown around? So I, I think it is because you sent it to me and I, I was like, huh. Yeah, I mean, and this is something okay. that happens a lot, but I, I hadn't really thought about it in those terms. And, you know, so I did a little digging and it, it masking is a term that, that in the literature is connected to autism. Um, okay. Kiddos with autism spectrum disorders tend to cover up their symptoms to try to fit in at times. And so they'll, they'll mask them with other things, um, hide them, act differently than they feel like acting. Um, but I, I think that the article you sent and some other things that I've read since we started to talk about it, masking's happening for lots of different mental health conditions. I don't think it is specific to just autism. And, you know, I, I was excited at this, this idea of like a, a new concept that we could kind of toss around and, and maybe learn about together. So. Sure. And I, I think um, for those who aren't neurodivergent, like it's the fake it till you make it kind of thing of like, mm-hmm. you know, you go to a party, maybe you don't know a whole lot of people. And so you're not great at socializing. So you're just going to kind of put on a front and, yeah. and be great. Or, or, you know, when somebody asks you, um, Hey, how's it going? You're like, it's good. Then that's fine. <laughs> I mean, I, I've kind of tempered in my head that if I'm having a good day, it's good. Great. If I'm not having a great day, it's I'm okay. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's not a bad day, but I'm, I'm just surviving. So Let's dive into masking a little bit more. And it is, is, are we too late in the episode to make a reference to, uh, well, maybe we should do that. The masks for the COVID. Yeah. I, I actually, the same thing occurred to me at the same time is like, I wonder if people will see the title and think, oh my gosh, they're talking about like masking for COVID-19 and we are not talking about that. Yeah. So we are not talking about that. We're talking about <laughs> um, kind of mental health masking. So give us kind of a definition of what masking is. It's when you hide or cover up or otherwise sort of, um, you know, repress or is the word suppress. But anyway, you sort of push down like a like a mental health symptom so that it's not visible to others. So you can either fit in or pass as normal and, and maybe not, you know, show signs of the disorder that you're struggling with. And the children will do this or this this go all the way to adulthood? I would, I would assume adult masking would be a little easier to pull off or even more popular. I think adults are probably... Common better at it. You know, they've had more time to kind of figure out, you know, how do other people behave and what stands out and what draws attention and what doesn't. And so I would, I would say adults are probably better, but I, I think it happens at all ages. And I mean, I was thinking about like the, the function of it, you know, and I, I, 
I almost kind of look at it as a, a survival instinct, mm-hmm. you know, that like, if you know what you're doing is drawing negative attention to you, or, you know, like from an evolutionary perspective, like it might put you in danger, right? You're, you're at, at risk of standing out from a crowd of other humans. And so um, it's kind of an interesting instinct. I'm not saying it's a healthy thing to do or something we should encourage, but um, just looking at it from the function, you know, mm-hmm. I think, I think when people engage in this, it's because something in their life is kind of telling them, Hey, you know, you, you have to cover that up. You don't want people to see that. And the reason why they wouldn't want to want others to see that would be. Maybe they would be mocked, made fun of. Maybe yeah. they'd lose their job. Maybe they'd lose an important relationship in their life. I, you know, what comes to mind <laughs> and we're past the holiday season, but the, the Rudolph, the red nose reindeer story, the, mm-hmm. the, the show, you know, like they, oh gosh, that's abnormal. We have to cover that up. You know, and right. and we don't anybody see that? They'll think you're weird. We can't we can't let anybody know that you have this unique, you know, difference from other reindeer. And so the the whole concept was you know hiding differences, and so they masked it. And then of course you know it it shows itself eventually. His nose, the red nose, glows, and everybody sees it and ends up saving the day. So it's kind of a nice spin on that idea of you want to cover up your differences. Actually, your differences can help you be very successful. If you and don't want to make a holiday reference, you can say Shrek. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Man, we can compare this to lots of things. That's yeah, we could, but but that's that just shows that this is not necessarily a new uh, thing. It might be a new term of masking, but it's not a new concept by any mm-hmm. means. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think that as like, we talk more about mental health and, and as it's becoming more the norm to share and disclose and discuss and seek help. I think these kinds of topics, you know, surface and we'll get new names and kind of get bounced around on the TikTok or whatever <laughs> social media thing the kids are doing these days. Um, because we are opening the door. We are saying, Hey, you know, these are things that happen and, and we're all human and we're allowed to have mental illness now. And so I, I think it's, it makes sense that this has come to light. But you mentioned just a few minutes ago about like an adult might lose their job because there's there's still a great stigma against this. I do mm-hmm. agree with you that the door is opening and more conversations are being had. But that's I mean, talk about unfair if you're even a child disciplined for something that is a mental health condition, mm-hmm. then that's just not really fair. Yeah, but because people yeah. just aren't getting it. So yeah, how do we and, and- how do we change that? Well, I mean, I, I think we continue to have the conversation and we continue to find ways to, you know, use the term neurodivergent. And I, I, I like that term. It's fancy, but also mm-hmm. it kind of just reflects that, you know, there's differences and it's, you know, not everybody's wired the same. And so as we start to find ways to help people who are neurodivergent to be successful in traditional settings like the classroom or in the workplace or in a family, you know, setting, um, I think that that helps. I think less masking is necessary, but, you know, I, I think it's important to think about this to the lens of like, well, do I do that? You know, and I was thinking back to when I was a kid and, you know, anxiety was there. And I, I would assume that most people in my life didn't know. They might've thought I was shy, but I don't, I don't think that I ever revealed, you know, to close personal friends, what exactly I was fearful of or what, what symptoms were kind of there for me. And so whether I just hid them or masked them with something else, I don't know. How about you? Did you, do you see masking in your home? Have you experienced it? Um, yeah, once I read that article, absolutely. But I also had a question it, uh, from that of masking versus the uh, instinct you have. And, and when you think from your brainstem and that fight or flight, and, and if you're fighting, it's hard to mask when you're thinking from that brainstem mm-hmm. part of your brain, right? Right. I would think so. 
Well, okay, but I'm also almost going to argue with myself for a second because I think oftentimes (laughs) it should be a good time. Um, But like oftentimes (laughs) when we're in our brainstem, when we're in a fight or flight mode, we are instinctive. And so if covering up um, and and is like a self-protective instinct, it might be that, you know, you are actually more likely to mask if you're constantly in a fight or flight mode, or if you're frequently in that fight or flight mode, um, I would be open to argument there that, that maybe, maybe that's less likely, but I don't know. I hadn't thought about that. Well, and I think too, cause I know somebody who, I don't know if it's a diagnosed thing, um, has like social anxiety, just doesn't like to be out in social situations for various mm-hmm. reasons. And so this person will go and appears to enjoy themselves and have a good time, but what they're feeling inside is just like clawing from their insides out because they just can't stand being there, but they are faking it the best they can. And that's, I guess, masking at at its finest. Yeah. I think that's a perfect example of it. And I know lots of introverts that maybe they don't qualify for a diagnosis of anxiety or anything like that, but they just really prefer like smaller groups or just to themselves when they are in those social social situations. A lot of people don't necessarily know that. Um, They can be boisterous and fun, but then they need to like be away for a while to rejuvenate and kind of bounce back from all of that people time. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that might be a version of masking. Now, of course, if you've got someone who's pretty um, inhibited and doesn't doesn't like, you know, groups, uh, and they're shy when they are in a social setting, they they kind of hold themselves back. Maybe that's not masking. That's just that's just being anxious in a social setting. Yeah. Okay, I was gonna say or, or shy, but yeah, if you're just <laughs> yeah, anxious yeah. because you're out in in public. Yeah. And also, when you think of a, a kiddo in school, if if school is a trigger. And what they're doing all day to hold themselves together and they come home and they just, whether it's a crash of going to bed or taking a nap or doing something like going for a really intense run or getting angry or something, it's just, I don't, I don't know if I have a question there, but it's just like, can you explain to people what people feel inside when they're riddled with anxiety? And they're, and they're trying not to show it. They come home. I mean, oftentimes we see this with young kids, whether they have ADHD or sensory processing disorder, uh, which actually would be a really great episode. So we need to make a note of that and come back okay. to that. But um, kiddos who have these kinds of things, they keep it together at school a lot of time and they look very successful. And many others may not realize that they're struggling. And then they come home and they rip that mask off, right? And yeah. then, you know all heck breaks loose because they they're they've got to let they've let their guard down for the first time all day and so mom or dad or caretaker are then sort of absorbing all of the the discomfort and the angst that built up and was kind of hiding behind that mask throughout the day and that's why it can be really really tough you know when school starts and you've got a kiddo who's struggling with one of these you know sets of symptoms school can be hard not necessarily while you're at school but when you get home you have to kind of unleash yeah because it's just a matter of keeping it all together. Mm-hmm. So when you come home and you, you take off that mask, what, what can we tell parents about signs of masking if you're starting to see that in, in a kid in your life? Well, I mean, I, I think I would look forward in if a child is acting remarkably different in the classroom or around other people than they do at home. Um, if you feel as if uh, they're sort of you know, they're, maybe their affect is a little more constricted. Maybe they're doing other things to compensate for or cover up symptoms that you would normally see. Um, that might be a sign. Oftentimes, so this is, I, I didn't necessarily think about this till now. So, hey, uh, editor, take it out if it sounds silly. But w- <laughs> when working with kiddos, I would often have them draw two pictures of themselves. You know, one of how they felt on the inside and one of how they feel on the outside. Oh. And I even at one time had like paper masks where you could color on both sides. And so I'd have them do, you know, how they feel on the outside and the inside. 
of the mask itself. And so lots of kids, there are wide differences between what they would draw for their outside self and their inside self. And so I, you know, that's a very literal representation of masking. These kids are, are covering up something. And so my work with them would then be, how do we, how do we help these two things get closer together? I think we're always going to have different behaviors at home or with the people we feel safest and closest to than we are, you know, in public settings or in larger groups or work, school, things like that. But we want those two things to be fairly close and integrated. I I don't, you know, the idea like a child feels like they have to behave completely differently to be accepted that that's uncomfortable. Like that's just going to create so much tension and and anxiety and discomfort for them. Is it emotionally safe to mask? I think sometimes maybe, I mean, here's how I would look at it. A lot of the coping mechanisms that we sort of develop in our lifetime serve a purpose at the time um, Mm -hmm. and we need it or we wouldn't be doing it. Like maybe we don't have the ability to try another skill or, you know, it's just the thing that works at the time. But most of the time, those kinds of things become unhelpful later on, right? So if you've got a kiddo whose coping mechanism is to shut down and be silent, you know, when he feels emotionally threatened or uncomfortable, that's okay. Sometimes there's probably times where it's even effective because, you know, they're quiet in the classroom and they're quiet and not Mm -hmm. interrupting other people, you know, but if that person's in a relationship or a friendship or they're trying to build social skills or they're, you know, a situation where their voice is needed and they can't find it because they've been repressing it for so long to try to fit in and be safe, like now it doesn't work anymore. Now it's getting in the way. And that's a diagnosis we haven't talked a lot about, but selective mutism is, you know, oftentimes kids will in certain environments, they just don't talk. And I usually look at that through the lens of like, because they've learned to quiet their voice for some reason, it's, it's protecting them in some way. And so usually by the time they get to therapy, what we've realized is, oh, it's not working anymore. This probably served a purpose at some point in their life, but it doesn't work anymore. And we need to help them figure out a different coping skill. So masking, I kind of see very much like that, that it, it probably helps when it's happening or when it first develops, but it actually, you know, later on as life goes on, it can create more and more problems for the individual, a child or adult. So how should we encourage the kiddo who's masking to not mask or should we? I, I feel like that's one of those, you know, case by case situations where, you know, I think first it's, you know, drawing attention to it, helping the child explore. Do they know they're doing it? Do they realize helping them identify Mm. ways in which they cover up their disorder from other people? Um, Are there people they don't cover these things up in front of? Are there people that they always do? Are there people they would dream of, you know, they would never dream of, of sharing their true selves with that person and, and then exploring the why of that. What is it about this group of people that makes you feel like you need to cover those up? What is it about this group of people that makes you feel like you can be yourself um, and just kind of helping them to understand the behavior and make sense of it? Sometimes that alone is enough to start to see it shift, right? Because the kiddo goes, oh, okay, well, I, I feel safe here. I don't need to mask. Um, but some kids aren't going to have that insight. And that's where it can be really, really tricky because it depends on the child's development. Um, and I think, you know, teachers, parents, other adults that are working with kids is if you recognize it, beginning to kind of explore those questions too. And, and whether the kids can participate in that conversation or not, I think you can, you can go, hey, you know, this kiddo acts different in this situation than they do over here. What's going on there? What are they covering up? What are they, what are they doing? You know, is it protective? What's happening? On some level, doesn't everyone mask every day? I don't know. What do you think? I don't, I'm just sitting there thinking like, you know, because I'll act differently in front of work people than, well, if I had friends, friends <laughs> versus, you know, like my wife's uh, company Christmas party. I have to act a certain way because I don't know these people very well. 
they work with her and stuff. So, you know, you kind of got to be on your best behavior versus my company Christmas party. I can kind of let loose a little bit. So that's, I guess you're just masking, like, does anybody really know their true self? Boy, that's deep. That is deep, right? (laughs) That might be a little existential for me right now. I don't, I don't know. Uh, No, I, I think that it is safe and fair to say that most humans mask something. Right. And, and so like that actually has me thinking about the different ways that we might not necessarily think it's masking, but it is humor. For example, a lot of people mask their humor or mask their pain with humor. Right. Yeah. um, yeah, Same. I mean, it's it's easier (laughs) to make a joke than to talk about the thing that's really hard. Right. And plus when you joke, it puts other people at ease. So now you're fixing their pain too. Right. So, so (sighs) humor is the greatest of masks. And if somebody makes me take that away, I'm going to be really upset. Right. So, and that's, I think that's an important point too, is like this mask, whether it's an adult or a child and whatever it is they're masking, it's serving a really important purpose and they may not want to change that. They, you know, that may not be something they're open to. Yeah. I just, I, gosh, everybody masks. Mm -hmm. Well, so let's be creative. What besides humor are just some like normal ways that people probably cover up, you know, struggle or pain. I think anger. I think sometimes it's easier to be really mad at somebody than, than to like address a problem or share your own. Guilty. Oh, (laughs) I'm going to have to send you my insurance card again for this episode. <laughs> that hasn't happened in a while, but I'm learning all about myself. Uh-oh. We are unmasking right here before unmasking our listeners. Taped on a podcast because yeah. we're doing this live, but you know, yeah, you, it's not live when you hear it. Um, interesting. So anger, humor, um, gosh, what else? Hmm. I, I mean, we're getting into, you know, a list of defense mechanisms, but like I'm thinking deflection, like changing the subject, avoidance, lots of things that, that we, you know, we might look at as coping mechanisms, defense mechanisms, that kind of thing might actually be a way of masking one's true experience or. Again, do we really know who we are? (laughs) Blows my mind. I don't, I don't, I don't know anything about me anymore. I have no idea who I am. Excuse Chad and I, while we have an existential crisis. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we'll be back with you in a minute <laughs> <laughs> after these commercial messages oh i wish yeah, we don't have any of those yeah. <laughs> yeah we don't just like my friends group. um this is so sad <laughs> see humor <laughs> i'm masking the deep deep pain um is there something good that can come from masking i guess you make people laugh if you yeah i mean mask it, with humor. it depends on you know what it is that you're masking and how you're masking it um and then like i said a little while ago that like it it probably works. It, it probably does the job. Like it let's, let's go back to kind of where this was originally discussed in children with autism spectrum disorders. If they mm. are masking, it might be helping them to generate at least, you know, a bit of a friendship, or it might be helping them to succeed in a, a setting that would otherwise be really challenging if their symptoms were out on display. And so it's probably serving a purpose. I'm not saying that that is necessarily all good, but it is, it is doing something. Yeah. It just seems like it's such a, a natural thing. I mean, there's, we've talked about masking the term being relatively new, but this is not a new concept. What, what did this used to be called? Any idea? I mean, my, my sense is that we, we've called it lots of different things, coping mechanisms, avoidance mechanisms, um, defense mechanisms, you know, cover-ups. Okay. Like I, I think that there's probably lots of language to that's related, maybe connected, but the the specific use of masking to cover up mental health symptoms is is probably just slightly different 
than the idea of like using humor to deflect from emotional pain, right? Because you can mm -hmm. deflect from emotional pain with a joke, but not have a mental health condition. So it almost, it feels just as we're kind of breaking the words down that masking is specific to mental health conditions. To mental yeah. health. Okay. And that makes sense. Probably takes quite a bit of energy then without even thinking about it to mask. I would yeah, I would imagine it's very exhausting. And that's taking it back to what we said about like kids coming home and kind of, you know, proverbially yeah, ripping yeah. the mask off. It's because they're tired. They've been, you know, holding that thing up there all day. And now it take, takes all their focus and energy not to do the thing. And I, I was even thinking, you know, again, back to, to autism, like if you've got a child who, you know, does a lot of stemming, you know, where there's lots of movements and, and that kind of thing, and, and they're yeah. masking that, like it takes physical, like you know, exertion to keep that in check. And so, um, you know, you're going to be very tired and that would be, that'd be hard to keep up. So I said a few minutes ago, it seems like a very natural thing that just happens, but I got to go. If you're a toddler, you haven't learned the reason to mask because you've, you've maybe not been teased or anything. So at some point you develop this skill, mm -hmm. correct? Yeah. I think around the time that social consciousness starts to, to slip in and, you know, we, Second grade. <laughs> say, we talked about that being like right around the time you start to experience anxiety and you're more likely to see that because now kids are aware that other people have different perspectives or different experiences or might have feelings or judgments about them. And so I think mask Asking, you know, we could start to see that about the same time because kids are going, oh, I don't want somebody to think I'm weird. I want to fit in. Yeah. I want to be like the other kids. But I also feel like kids these days are, are more open to talking about mental health and they'll be like, yeah, I have ADHD. I have this. I have yep. anxiety or I have depression. They're, they're more open. So I, I think that that's fantastic mm -hmm. that people are talking about it as long as it's taken seriously. And there you get into the whole brick wall of the people who just don't get right. it. It gets frustrating. So then you go back to masking and it's just all very cyclical and kind of It sad. really is. And, and yet I'm hopeful. I mean, you know, yes, you know, our, our mental health centers are full to capacity and, and people are waiting for mental health care and it's harder than ever to, you know, find a place that your insurance will cover and get an appointment and get in and make sure it's a good match. There's a lot of like challenge that goes into to mm -hmm. mental health treatment. However, the fact that we are asking for it, demanding it, like we're, we're going to meet that need and eventually we'll, we'll be able to kind of keep up with that demand. And so I think that it's, it's great. I think we're, we're on the right path and things like masking may, you know, may be a thing of the past because it won't, won't necessarily carry the same stigma that it does now. And so, you know, kids, I think kids will always try to hide things, you know, just developmentally speaking, kids mm -hmm. instinctively want to match their peers. Like some I think are hardwired. They want to stand out from the get go and some are hardwired to want to kind of fit in and, and kind of blend. Sure. Um, and so that's always going to be there, mental health or no mental health. But I think that the the specific like covering up mental health conditions, maybe that fades over time. You know, maybe we evolve out of that because it, it isn't so dysfunctional to have a mental health condition someday. Well, what was it? Not very long ago, like maybe 70s, maybe even 80s, the term breast cancer was, you know, it wasn't said like, oh, she has breast cancer. It was, she has you whispered about right. it because you just couldn't say it. And now it's it's talked about and it's become so mainstream that um, I guess thanks to the Susan G. Komen Foundation who really went out and made October pink and made it more of a mainstream thing. And so now more people are talking about it and more money's being raised and, and good things are happening. So it can be done. That's right. So awareness, obviously very, very important in stuff like this. Uh, Nikki, as we wrap up episode 40 here, what are a few takeaways we can have from this episode? Okay. So I think, you know, a message to kind of take would be, you know, masking is the the act of sort of covering up psychological, you know, symptoms, mental health symptoms, um, compensating for them, hiding them from other people. And um, I think what we've discovered is it's it's neither good nor bad. It serves a function and it might help a person to, to be in a setting that they want to be in, but it could 
could be, you know, kind of a, a problem on the other end because it's exhausting and it keeps mm-hmm. them from being their true self. And, um, you know, our, our hope would be that like, as people, you know, get more and more comfortable talking about mental health and seeking help and kind of working through their things that, that not everyone would have to mask these kinds of things that we'd find ways for those that are neurodivergent to function successfully in lots of different environments without having to cover up things that are natural for them or, um, that they struggle with. And I would just add, just be kind because you never know what somebody else is going through. The person next to you could be on the verge of breaking down or having a breakdown. And the words that you use, like a tube of toothpaste, mm-hmm. you can't stuff them back in, might be what sets them off. Yeah. And so just be nice, right? Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And 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 I just, I want to plug that because that's been so relevant in our interactions with other people, you know, homework, school, it's just you know, kindness gets us through so much. I mean, if you, if you look at somebody who is struggling in some way or demonstrating a behavior that, that you don't like, or doesn't seem, you know, to fit for you, assume there's something behind it, you know, a struggle, a misunderstanding, some confusion, you know, just, just not getting it, you know, assume there's something there and, and proceed with that. And I, I just like to use the term, you know, lead with kindness because the other stuff is exhausting and (laughs) it doesn't really have a good outcome. When I think too, if you walk a mile in someone mm-hmm. else's shoes, if you knew what that person was going through and if they're at school holding themselves together yep. all day so they don't panic yep. or do something that's going to be seen as a bad behavior and get in trouble, um, you know, maybe just ask some questions. We've talked about that in past episodes too of what's happening yep. as opposed to what's wrong yep. with you or or what happened um, is a good thing to ask. Empathy is is truly the, you know, the cure for anger. Like if you, if you truly can have empathy for another person's experience, it's hard to be mad at them. And that's how you know mm-hmm. you're doing it right. If you've got somebody that's in front of you and you want to be frustrated with them, but you're like, ah, oh, I get it. I can't be mad at you now. Yeah. You know, then that means you've done it. That means you put yourself in their shoes and you really looked at it through their lens and You'll be better for it, but it's exhausting. You ready to go deep again? Yes. Isn't empathy a form of masking? Ooh. Because if you're frustrated with somebody, but you're like, I get it, and you're frustrated inside, but you're just showing empathy so you can kind of help them out. So I think if empathy is done without genuineness, if you're, if you're, if it's just sympathy, like, oh, I feel so bad for you, like okay. that, maybe I don't know. True empathy, though, is is setting aside everything and just like tuning in. And so yeah. I don't know that it can cover anything up. I think it exposes everything. Yeah. And I, I agree that you have, cause I've, I've seen people be truly empathetic and I've seen people be fake empathetic. I've been fake empathetic well, because I know that that's what's best um, for somebody, but you know, it's like you're frustrated inside, but it's like, I'm going to show you some empathy just to help you kind of get through <laughs> it. But inside I'm like eh, the little guy on uh, inside out. That's the flaming uh, <laughs> fire, the flame, I guess. <laughs> yeah. The fire, fire. <laughs> Um, well, talking about kindness is going to lead into a teaser for episode 41, which is talking versus threatening. Obviously, we're talking uh, directly to parents here, and we're talking about threatening and discipline, where it's like, you know, and I think we've all done it, right? Where it's like, if you don't do this, I'm going to take this away. You're going to lose this. So next episode, we're going to talk about the difference between using threatening uh, language versus just talking it out as a disciplinary action. So as always, we appreciate you sharing this episode with anybody that you think they could benefit from it. We ask if you would like to give us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. That does help us out and gets more eyes and ears on the podcast. You can find us on Facebook at Scrambled Podcast. Our whole goal in starting this was uh, to start a conversation and that conversation continues with you. 